Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach, Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together, share dreams together, have adventures together, and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before we go any further, I have a question. How comfortable are you asking for what you want? If we're not honest with the people in our lives about the things we want and the things we dislike, our relationships will be less fulfilling. But it's not always easy to ask for what we want. I know I have a hard time with it sometimes, and most of the women in my life tell me they can relate. My dear friend, Anna Weisberger, is a life coach who teaches women how to find what they want and ask for it with confidence so they can create better relationships with themselves and their partners and the world. And she is my guest on this episode of Women Wanting Women. You can learn more about her at talkwithanna.com. But before you do, keep listening for the empowering messages that she shares with us here. Anna, hello. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've really been looking forward to this. Thank you so much for having me, Jordana. This is so exciting. Anytime uh, we ever get to catch up and talk, it always ends up turning into an epic conversation that is true and i'm really looking forward to be able to share this one with my audience today Mm. so let's just start with can you give some of your history your an introduction as to who you are and what you're up to and how you got here sure sure thanks so much um so my name is anna weisberger i'm a certified life coach and my mission is to help women create great relationships primarily with themselves but then with their significant others and the world, really. Um, I specialize in working with women who are struggling with dating patterns or going through a divorce or a breakup. And the core of my work lies in mindset shifts and manifestation techniques. Um, As far as my background goes, this is not what I started off as. (laughs) I, um, um, I went to school in Belgrade in Serbia, and I have a master's degree in Scandinavian languages and literatures from the university in Belgrade. And after I graduated really shortly, I uh, moved to the US in the pursuit of my American dream. And that was back in 2005. And, you know, I went through a whole lot of adventures there from babysitting to working in the service industry, eventually creating a career in real estate. That was my American dream, or so I thought. And at a time when I was really peaking in real estate and I was married, I just started getting this feeling that this really wasn't it. And and it came with a, a, a lot of guilt, first of all. It came with a surprise, and then it came with guilt. And and that got me on this road of, you know, self-discovery. I started going to therapy, and I started 
um, joining women's groups and I had a coach and I started meditating and all these shifts were slowly bringing me back to myself. And what I realized was the dream that I was building was a, a great dream and I'm really grateful to have accomplished it, but it wasn't coming from inside of me. It was coming from, you know, expectations that were put on me that I put on myself, but I wasn't really honoring my true nature. And I wasn't honoring my true nature when I was picking my partner, the man that I was married to. Um, and I wasn't honoring them when I was picking real estate. Um, and it, it all became, you know, hollow. It's so interesting. While, while we're pursuing something, while I was pursuing something, just the pursuit and, you know, the, the promise of what it's going to be was giving me the strength to, to continue and to go through the hard times. But once I achieved it and, and I sat with it, I really got to analyze and like ask myself again, is this really it? Like, are these the goals that you were striving for? Because I got into real estate because of the money. And yes, money is important. And it was extremely important to me because I grew up, um, you know, in, in poverty um, here in, in Serbia while, while there was a war happening. So, so it was hugely important to me to be able to take care of myself, to take care of my parents. But once those basic needs were met and I could have the life that I wanted, that's when I actually looked around and said, well, is this how I'm going to be spending my life, you know, day in and day out? Is, is this what I want to allot my time to? Because we have a limited amount of time and, you know, our satisfaction, I believe, is directly correlated with how we spend our days. So that got me on this, you know, shift. And, um, and today I teach other women to do the same. Yes. Uh, when we first met, you were right in the middle of that. You were in the middle of your successful real estate career. You were still married at the time. And I remember the real estate professional that you were at the time, that was something you were really proud of. It was something you had built having come here from nothing. And your your career that you had built from nothing was a source of strength. It was something you that gave you confidence. That was something you were really, really proud of when we first met. Yeah, absolutely. Even though that didn't end up being my end career, it was a huge stepping stone to where I am now because I feel that as long as I was pursuing that, there was no room for me to look inside. You know, there's this saying that if you don't have a roof over your head, like it's really hard to focus on inner peace, right? You got to meet your basic needs. So it was really, I was so proud of myself for having accomplished that. I, you know, helped my parents buy an apartment here. Um, like, you know, the years after I quit real estate, I was living after I was living off of those savings that I had made. So, but the, the thing is also this, you know, being real with ourselves, how do, how do I put this in the best way? So, so although real estate was meeting a bunch of my needs, there were, there were ego needs and that, that's okay. Like we're, we're allowed to have ego needs, but, but there is a lot more than that. And to me, to leave that career that was so, you know, accomplished and I, I was very respected in my field and, you know, there was nothing wrong with it, quote unquote, but inside it, that wasn't it. And there was also a growing desire for me to, to, you know, go leave, come and go in New York, like to leave. And you also met me while I was in Florida. I was already exploring that. And, you know, staying in real estate wouldn't give me that freedom. I really needed to shift so that I can 
like just keep honoring that little voice inside. Have you read the book Alchemist by Paulo Coelho? I have, yeah. Yeah, so that was one of my favorite books growing up and 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 I still it still resonates. He says that you should follow your heart. And there's this um there's this guy who's what's the word? He takes care of sheep. He's a he's a shepherd. There's there's this yeah. Yeah, there's this shepherd and he is um, he has a perfectly okay life taking care of his sheep. You know, there's no, not, no big worries, but he keeps having this dream that there's a buried treasure somewhere. And, you know, he, he finally sets off and goes on this adventure and runs into a million other places where he could have stayed before he reached his treasure. He meets this woman that he falls in love with and, and he's tempted to stay. And even she, Fatima or Fatima in the book says, that you know she encourages him to leave she says you know if if we were made of solid matter then you can come back to me after you have fulfilled your dreams but this is important to you because what she says is if you stay you'll always wonder what if and you may end up growing bitter and angry at me because i held you back from that dream and so that book stayed with me and that's how i try and live you know if i hear a song in my heart i'm just gonna go after it and especially if it's you know, if it's getting louder, because, because that's the only way to live, I think. And so real estate for me was just a, a, a step, a step towards this. I have so many comments. But to start, you know, it, it takes a certain type of person to leave your country, to leave your home, to leave your family, to leave everything you knew, and go someplace totally unknown. So Fundamentally, it doesn't surprise me because knowing you, you're the type of person who wants having built what you built, it, when you found you weren't satisfied with it, even though it was comfortable and stable, like, you know, like as like a home country, uh, you weren't afraid to move forward in pursuit of something better because that's just the kind of person you are. Uh, it's, it's a quality of fearlessness that not everybody possesses. It's a pretty extraordinary thing. And... It's especially relevant in the queer female community because so many people, I get emails all the time from people who live in very remote, small places where they feel that finding the, the love that they want and the relationship they want is a lot harder in that place where they are, uh, in the small village or town or city where they are. You know, you said that going out and seeking your treasure is the only way to live but there are a lot of people who don't know how that they don't they don't have that there that's just not that's not like their obvious response necessarily or that's maybe just terrifying so so many of the people who write to me they you know they report feeling very stuck where they are so if you have any thoughts for women in that kind of situation, or if you could share maybe how you get yourself to think that way and be that way. Um, I mean, if I have any, any idea for them, I think that, you know, courage is, is necessary for this, obviously. But, but I think that the best way to live is to keep connecting with your inner self. It doesn't mean that it's the same route for, for all of us, right? Not everybody has to leave their hometown. Not everybody has to, you know, maybe the women that you're talking about just to come up with practical solutions, maybe they can, you know, there, there's so many ways to connect online nowadays, right? So so you can see the, the whole world is your oyster in a way. And when they find the connection, that's when that courage would set in and, 
you know, you have to be curious and open and, and pursue the thing that your heart really wants. But, but my advice would be to, to just do everything you can to keep connecting with yourself inside, because we have so many, you know, especially some of your listeners living in, living in this, these small areas, they're probably facing a lot of, um, a lot of pressure from the environment. Maybe they don't fit into what is um, acceptable or what is desired or what is labeled as good. And, and, you know, that can really distract you from your own personal legend, the way, the way uh, Koyo says it in his book. Um, but I think it's really important to do all you can to make yourself stronger inside so that you understand that you matter. Your dreams are there for you. Your dreams are there it's not by accident. I have mine and Jordana, you have yours and everybody has their own. And it is our job, I think, in order to be happy and to, and to be fulfilled and to be able to then be a good person in the world to, to follow these dreams, to do what's absolute, to do whatever is necessary to, um, to, 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 to hear that voice inside of you better and to quiet the voices from the outside environment that are telling you that certain ways are the ways, even though yours way might, might, might not be those. So, so my encouragement would be that, that, that you trust yourself, that you trust yourself, you trust that voice inside and you do all you can to nurture it. You know, like I sometimes say to my clients that, you know, try and act as if you are both your own child and your own parent. And, and I think both roles are really important because the child in us, you know, is, is open and free and would like to do and reach and play. And then the adult in us is there to, you know, if like, like if, if the adult is healthy, then, then it's going to, he or she is going to be able to tell the child that this is good and this is not good and to support them in their own growth. But at the same time, you know, keep them disciplined or make sure that they do what they need to do. So when we reach a point where we can do this for ourselves, um, that's really when, when we can do anything we want. You know, if we can reparent ourselves in a way that maybe we weren't parented when we were young, in a way that we desired we were, I think that gives us the courage and the strength and, and the fire behind you know, all the tasks that are maybe difficult uh, for us to, to go through in order to reach the dream that we are wanting. Yeah, totally. And I love that idea of being our own parent or our own child and then being able to give us ourselves permission, permission to, to do the things we want to do or to go for the things we want to go for or even to want the things that, that we want. If we're our own parent, if we're the parent to our own child, we can really encourage those dreams, encourage those dreams and, and say it's okay. And, you know, maybe do a better job of parenting ourselves in that way. It's a really, it's a really beautiful frame. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah. So, so in terms of seeking our treasure, is that an appropriate time to go back into the topic of, of your divorce and how that led you forward? Sure. So I was looking for Right. I was looking for this American dream. And then, you know, one day I just woke up and it was there. It was seemingly overnight. It wasn't overnight. It was years of work. But but, you know, like the happiness lasted for a very short time. And then I started getting so down that I really couldn't get out of bed in the morning. And 
And like I said, that's when I really started to, I mean, you and I also met in a workshop of sorts. It was a workshop. It was a sales, sales workshop, but it was still, you know, it was very interesting what they talked about in there. And that really got me thinking that, you know, it, it, it was, it was time to go. It was time to leave. And I've gone through several other, other, um, workshops where, where it was brought to my attention that, you know, if you're in an, in an unsatisfying relationship, like, what are you doing about it? Like, how are you showing up in your relationship? And I was very prone to blaming my ex-husband for the things that he did or didn't do. And then I realized, oh, but, oh my God, I could actually do something and say something and, and, and ask for what I wanted, because that was a, that was a, a really hard thing for me to do. It was easy for me to go out and achieve in the world. But when I would run into something that that I wasn't happy with, like when I was in a relationship where I wasn't getting my needs met, it was really hard to say something about it. My the way the way that I would do it is I would become passive aggressive or I would God, I could ignore them like my life depended on it or just I was really I was really harsh and and I was always thinking that, well, I'm right and they're wrong. So obviously, I mean, they're going to come to their senses. Um, but what was actually happening is, you know, I needed more love and affection than in most relationships I've, I've been in, than I was receiving in the most relationships I was in. And so, you know, instead of getting stuck on that and being mad at him for, for not giving it to me, I tried, I tried asking. So, so that was really that was like a huge step for me. It was a very vulnerable ask of how I wanted our relationship to look because look for years, I was, I was basically hiding even my own needs for myself. And I was pretending like everything was okay. So for me to step out and to ask for a different thing to happen between us, um, you know, almost felt like, like coming out and saying, well, I was lying up until now, you know, like when I, when I said that was okay, that wasn't really okay. What I really want is, for us to have deeper conversations is for us to have more intimate moments together. And, you know, and, and then I sat down and I, and I asked for these things. And, and I think that this was a, a, a beginning of like this, like world that opened up to me, like what's possible and what's not. And, you know, what happened eventually was he wasn't able to give me these things, but, but we worked through a lot of, a, a lot of issues that came in that a lot of issues that are arise and towards the end of it. So this is another thing I learned, but you ask to get your needs met and, you know, and you see how the other person reacts on the other side. And I learned to, this is one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite uh, things to say is that I strive to be committed and not attached. So I started being committed to that inner child inside of me. I started being committed to, hearing what her needs were and to ask to get them met. But I wasn't attached in regards to, you know, whether I'm going to get them from this person or that person or myself, but I would ask and then I would observe and am I getting it or am I not getting it? And and then I would just get silent or in quiet and, and sit and, and see how the other person shows up. I think that's such an important thing that I, I think it's important to just stop and highlight. Yeah, please. And especially in the dating context. Because it's a, an easy habit to fall into when we meet someone and we're attracted to them or we're excited about them. It's, it's easy to fall into the habit of looking at that person and then hoping that they're going to be the one that comes along to meet all of our needs. 
and, and working really hard at trying to make them like us enough to get that to happen or to make that work. As opposed to saying to, your, to, to ourselves, yes, I have needs in a relationship. Yes, there are things I want, but actually I'm, I'm sure that eventually someone is gonna come along who meets those needs. And actually that's gonna be amazing when it does. And so since I'm so confident that it's eventually gonna come along, we can be more neutral we could be more neutral about who it is that meets our needs because it doesn't actually matter who meets our needs. What matters is that our needs get met. So as long as we remember that eventually our needs will get met, then we don't have to put so much pressure on any one connection. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter who comes along and makes us happy and gives us what we, what we need. What matters is that we, have the, that we maintain the confidence that eventually it will come along because it will. Exactly. But the alternative, if, if, if we don't maintain that confidence that, it, that, someone, that someone will eventually come along and make us happy, then what happens is every time we meet someone that we're attracted to, if we're not confident we're going to find more of this, then there's the fear that, oh my God, if, if we don't make it work with this person, there won't be another person for us to try with. Uh -huh. That's just not true, but it's something uh -huh. we tell ourselves. Exactly. And when we do that, what you just described is when we lose the being committed and we become attached and then we risk becoming attached to something that isn't even really what we want. But the bigger problem is we betray ourselves. You know, when we operate from, hey, maybe this person is that, but like with the deep faith, like you said, that there is a person in the world who's going to meet our needs. Um, and that comes from an abundant mindset. Like you, you have to train yourself to think this way. You know, the opposite of an abundant mindset is a scarcity mindset. Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge problem in the lesbian community. Having a scarcity mindset, you know, having the fear when you meet someone that you're attracted to that there is never going to be anyone else that you're attracted to. Mm -hmm. Or just the idea that because we're a minority, it's harder to meet women. That's why I... I'm so adamant about trying to reverse this. I give out stickers. I'm sure you, I've given you a sticker of mine, right? I, I, those stickers that say hot lesbians are everywhere. You have, I have it, um, I have it up in one of my notebooks. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> but there is a legitimate fear in the queer community that it's harder for us to find partners because we're a minority. But for straight women, there might be more straight men, but there's also more straight women competing for those same men. I was just going to say. So, so it, it kind of all cancels out. It's all the same in the end. And the important thing to realize is love is equally available for everyone. Yeah, I was just going to say that could be, you know, like that's that's just a belief, right? It's not the absolute truth that it is this way. And you could say it's for any minority or majority. You know, what as a woman living in New York, you know, there's more there's more women than men. Um, a lot of men are gay. So you could also think of it that way. And, you know, I know a lot of women who feel the same way. I think it's really important to look at those beliefs. Yeah, you can have a scarcity mindset even in the midst of massive abundance. The other thing I, that, that you said that I'd love for you to talk more about is if we find ourselves in an unsatisfying relationship, asking ourselves the question, what am I doing about it? Mm -hmm. and, and that doesn't refer simply to leaving, but it takes two to tango. So, you know, the question is, what, what am I bringing to that relationship? What am I bringing to that dynamic? Asking that question of ourselves when we find ourselves in a bad dynamic. And you were talking about your pattern, how when you weren't getting your needs met, your response was to be, you know, you were acting, you were ignoring that, you were ignoring him, you were being passive aggressive, you were being harsh. The idea of turning around instead and asking for what you want 
a love coach, I, I love name Annie Lala, talks about how every complaint is a hidden request. Mm. Uh, of course, that doesn't mean, like you said, that doesn't mean that we're going to have our request met. You know, it's, it's entirely possible that when we ask for something, we're not going to get it. But in those situations, once we've asked and once we've tried, then we have to be brave ourselves. Bra- then we have to be brave enough to ask ourselves, am I really happy in this relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important that we keep revisiting these questions with ourselves. Like, how are you actually showing up in this relationship? What are you doing? Sorry, did I interrupt you? No, I uh, I want to get more into that. I think what you're talking about is really important because forget just leaving the relationship. You know, long before that happens, there's a lot there's a lot we can do in terms of the, the part where we're asking for what we want and when we're asking ourselves these questions. That there are so many things we could do. I know you uh, spent a lot of time learning from Mama Gina, mm-hmm. and she brings a lot of really interesting ideas in terms of thinking about our own energy, in terms of our own turn on, as she calls it. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about any of those things? Do you work with women on stuff like that? Um, yes, I do. So, So a little bit about that is that you know, Mama Gina teaches pleasure as a tool for getting to know yourself. And I think that that's brilliant. I think there's a lot of other other crucial aspects too. You know, there is, you know, your own personal responsibility and your own personal discipline. But I do think that you have to be okay and comfortable. And, and first of all, that you have to know what you want. And and she does a great job in, in, in helping you discover, like going through different exercises where you get to see what you like, you know, how do you like to be touched? How do you like to be talked to? What things are actually important to you? What things are actually important to you, but you haven't said them out loud in a long time, because maybe 20 years ago, you know, your dad said that was stupid. And now you're sitting there with all these thoughts and they're bugging you because like, you know, there, there's a world inside of you that you're just not honoring, right? The, s- the same an analogy as that heart that whispers to you in the book. That's actually a really important question. Everyone should stop and ask themselves that. I, I think that's a, a really important thing to think about. What in the world, you know, did we did you have that used to be important to you that someone then said was dumb or silly, and then because they said that, you stopped letting it be important to you, or you 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 let go of it when because of that other person's opinion. Yeah, yeah, and you know what's like somebody had said it a long time ago or somebody acted in a way that seemed maybe you you came home and you sang like a song when you were seven and your parents laughed and nobody even said anything but they laughed but in your head you created this story that you're never you know you're not a great singer or it's silly for you to like to even try anything maybe you do have a great voice you know and maybe like i said something happened a long time ago maybe they said something maybe they reacted in a certain way but then because of that you started building this story and then it becomes you who are telling yourself that you can't so those are really important blocks and what's so crazy about it is that the reason that they might have laughed in the first place could have had nothing to do with you. It could have had to do with something that happened before you even walked in the room. There's there's no reason at all for us to think that the reason they laughed is because we're not a good singer. It, it literally could have been like the, the, the song that I that you sang reminded them of, of a private joke that they were laughing about, you know, sometime before. It, it could have had nothing to do at all with your singing. Or maybe they thought you were cute as a button. Imagine like a six-year-old coming in, starting to sing a song. Do you know how many times I've laughed at a child 
you know, on a TV or whatever, but, you know, and also knowing this, like if it's a child, I know I make sure to give them a hug and to say, oh my God, that was so cute. Because it, it might've been a complete opposite from what you thought they were saying. And yet, you know, you built up this whole story. Yeah. It's crazy how we do that. It is. And, you know, and then, then that leads to a whole slew of other problems in life. Like for me, not being able to ask for what I want and things like that. But, you know, what Mama Gina taught me was, was that like be in your own pleasure because when we are in our own pleasure and when we believe that we deserve, you know, we will do all these things that are good for us. Even, even when I was starting to ask for what I want, it was clumsy. It wasn't always great. People will get mad at me. Like, what are you saying? Like how, you know, I remember once I was, I was trying to use something that I've learned somewhere. I forget where it was, but Mark and I were driving my ex-husband and I, and he was usually a great driver. Um, and, but like we were in, we were in Manhattan traffic and we were crossing the bridge somewhere and he was a little nervous. And when he's nervous, I would get nervous. And so we were like really close to this car. And so instead of like bursting out, like what I would, what I would do in the past, like, Oh, you know, watch it. Or how are you driving or whatever I would say, you know, I'm like, well, let me try and like phrase this in a way that's like, <laughs> so what I said instead was, you know, when you drive like this, it makes me feel unsafe. And so even though my, my intention was to like, you know, to not blame him, but to just voice how I feel when he does that and to, you know, make that like that was even worse. I remember him turning around and being like, really, really, this makes you feel unsafe. Have I? And really, he's never like been in an accident, like none of that. But but like like what I'm saying is, you know, you try, you try and honor yourself. And in the beginning, it may not be great, but you keep practicing and then eventually you'll really get to a place where you can ask things that you want and be okay with it and be okay with whatever, however people react and you're going to be more skillful at it too. Yeah. When you, when you talk about that, you know, the, the, the changes you were making and your husband's reaction to it, the fact that within your relationship or what he was used to in the relationship was you not asking for things. And then suddenly you started asking for things in a different way and it was uncomfortable. You know, that makes a lot of sense because there's a, there's a quote I really like from this teacher, Wyatt Woodsmall. He says that people don't like it when you change because the things they do to manipulate you stop working. Mm. And I mean, it's not that it doesn't mean that he was manipulative, mm -hmm. manipulative, but the dynamic of the relationship changes, the balance changes, which isn't comfortable because, you know, you guys have kind of a set balance. Mm -hmm. And if suddenly you want to start shifting around, it changes the balance and it can be really, really uncomfortable for people. But then that actually reminds me of another quote, which is that being outrageous comes with great personal freedom. In other words, if when we meet people, we can be totally, genuinely, authentically ourselves, then that becomes the baseline of what people expect from you from the start. So if right off the bat, you say what you think and you ask for what you want and you, you behave how you like and you reflect what's genuinely there for you, then, then that's just what people already expect and we, continue, we can continue being that way, which is a lot easier than, than if we start off kind of people-pleasing yeah. and behaving in a way that we think others want us to behave and then we have to create difficult conversations in the relationship when we, when we start wanting to ask for something different. You know, you said you, you felt like you were lying, like you weren't asking for, for what you wanted, but then when you started asking for what you wanted, it felt like an admission, like you had been lying all that time. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, you nailed it so well. And you talked, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, coming from an abundance mindset and coming from a scarcity mindset. And when I met him, I was really scarce. I was feeling so lonely in New York. I felt like, 
you know, like I missed home so much. I haven't yet started real estate. I felt lost. I felt like I wasn't really sure, you know, why am I even here? Like, and, and I really craved partnership. And so when he came along and said on our first date, I think you're the one, you know, although that was a little scary, like what, how, how does he know I'm the one? There was also a little like a, wow, you know, really? He's like willing to choose me right now, like, and to say I'm the one. And, and that, you know, even though over the next few months as we were dating, like our differences were starting to show up, I would never ask myself, well, are you going to be okay with this? I was more, I was more asking myself, well, is he going to be okay with me? And I kept trying to be a way that I assumed he would like me to be. And so that's, that's the pretending part, right? And I wasn't coming from a bad place. I wasn't trying to deceive him. I was just you wanted love, you wanted partnership, you wanted connection. Looking for love. That was where you exactly. were. Exactly. But I recognize, yeah, I recognize now that those steps weren't the steps that, that would take you to love. Yeah, and you were young. You were in a totally different place in life. You weren't the confident woman that you are now. And you're really not alone. For a lot of people, someone choosing us, the fact that the fact that Mark chose you, the fact that you knew this was a place you were safe, that this was a relationship that was available to you, that this was a place, this was someone that you could let yourself be loved by. That's what gave you the freedom to then be able to fall in love with him. Even if it's not necessarily who you would have chosen if you could have chosen from all, like between all the men on earth. Right. The fact that he was right there, that his love was safe, that you could have it right then in the moment makes a lot of sense and i think a lot of women would would make the same make a lot of women to make the same decision yeah I, I know a lot of men do that as well and but but you know we end up by by doing this we we actually betray ourselves and we end up severing our own relationship with ourselves and the quality of that relationship with ourselves is really you know going to show up in every other relationship for us so if we start a relationship like this you know, it's really hard for it to become something great because, because if you're being dishonest with yourself and, you know, and you're like, it's okay. Like we, we don't, we don't need to be, we don't need to talk about, you know, the things that we want to talk about right now. And we don't, you know, we don't need to have sex all the time. And we don't need to know all those things that you may want that you're recognizing your partner isn't giving you. Um, I think the healthiest thing to do is just to bring them out as soon as you can, as soon as you see them gently with love, with compassion, but with honesty, like, Hey, this is what I'm seeing in you and what I want. And it doesn't seem like a match. Can, can we work on this? Like, can I shift? Can you shift? Can we meet halfway? Can we repair this somehow? I think that that's crucial. Yeah, I totally agree. The fact that someone chooses us is a beautiful thing, but it's still up to us to bring our full selves to the relationship. If someone chooses us and then we go about our relationship with our entire goal being to keep them and to keep the relationship, we could wake up you know, months, years down the line finding that we're totally twisted in a knot, not being authentic and not truly happy. Whereas if we started the relationship when that person originally chose us with that same exact person, if we're more honest about who we are and what we want and our desires and our needs and also the things that we're not happy with, uh, expressing being verbal about the things we're not happy with when they come up. 
And, uh, and it's even better if, if when we're expressing our, those needs and wants and our frustrations when things aren't great, if we could do it in a way where we're not complaining, but we're asking. Those, those are the sorts of things that are in our hands that can make the difference. You know, we could meet the exact same person. The exact same person could choose us. And depending on whether we're willing to do the communication and the, and the emotional, the, and have the emotional bravery on our end, the question of whether or not we're willing to do that can make a difference in the entire relationship, the kind of relationship we have with that person. Yeah, I think the choosing is the key word here. Of course, you want to be with somebody who chooses you 100%. But the question is, have you chosen yourself before that? Like, that's really it. If you choose yourself, and then you get chosen by somebody for doing that, yes, and they have chosen themselves, and you choose, that's it. Like, that's, that's the relationship that's going to to last, to survive, to give us the peace and the, the freedom and the love that we're craving. And a powerful way we can choose ourselves is by understanding our pleasure, discovering what brings us pleasure, discovering what our needs and wants are, because we don't always know. And it's a really valuable exercise to be brave enough to go through the process of figuring out what that even is for ourselves. Yeah. It's about taking personal responsibility and daring to find that out for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. First comes the awareness of what you need and then comes daring. I love that you use the word daring and then daring to beat that in the world. I think I use the word because you use the word courage. So. <laughs> yeah, you know that saying, they say that um, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. In, in the sense of you can't change how they are, but you can change who they are. Like you can, you can let some people vibrate out and you can invite some others in. <laughs> you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. I love that. That's a really cute one. Uh, yeah, I, I thought of that when you were saying earlier, I, I forget what you were, you, were, you were talking about something and I just jotted it down. Um, and the way to change the people around you is to change yourself, right? Like to choose yourself, to do this that we're doing. When you choose yourself, oh yeah, you were talking about, you know, when you when you show up from the get-go as somebody who asks for things and is open and, you know, like doesn't, you know, doesn't give a crap. Like like some of my best friendships started with me being, you know, I, I don't I don't really know how to say this kindly, but I, I wasn't being my nicest self. You know, I would like one of my friends, I yelled at him for something that that I didn't think was okay that he did. And, you know, for years afterwards, I was a little a little ashamed of it. Like, I'm so sorry, Mitch, that our friendship started like that. And every time he laughs and he says, no, you really let me have it. I deserve that. Like, it's okay. You know, when we're being like really outrageous with who we are, you know, without and I'm not saying like go out there and be outrageous and like, you know, hit the world. But um but really there to say what, what's there for you. You know, who can't hear you, can't hear you. Let them, let them vibrate out. It's okay. Yeah, this reminds me of when I was 19, the first time a girl broke my heart. Um, I didn't actually know at the time what I was feeling that it was a crush. I figured that out later. Um, but what I did notice as I was totally crushed by this girl was that I was imitating her. And... I didn't know why I was doing that. And I started thinking about all the other people in my life who I was also imitating, like other girls that I thought were cool or people I thought were cool and the, the affects of theirs that I was taking on or the things that they would say that I was starting to say. I was just thinking about my personality and how much of the things I said and did and the things I thought I even liked 
had so much to do with the other people around me. And I realized in that moment, I, I didn't even know who I was. Mm. It just didn't seem like there was anything about me that was authentic to me. I was just a conglomeration of all these other people I was pulling from and imitating. Mm. It was a really upsetting realization. I was you know, 19 turning 20 and I looked at my life and I realized I don't even know who I am at all. And I, and I started thinking about how much I didn't know myself. And I realized that actually it was really stressful not knowing myself because anytime I met a new person or I was trying to make a friend or trying to get people to like me in this world, I didn't know how to be. I didn't know what to do. And I, I guess up until that moment, I was always sort of just imitating other people, other people that, that were cooler than me, that were more popular, that seemed to know the right answers. But that was really stressful because then knowing what to do always required observing somebody else. And it was that, that I found that really stressful because I just didn't know the answers to how to be. And I realized in that moment that if instead, instead of imitating others, I just looked inside for authenticity and to see what I genuinely actually felt in that moment, like, what was authentically me, it would be a lot less stressful because then I wouldn't have to look around for answers and I could more easily navigate my, my life socially. And actually what I realized in that moment was that the people who would choose me as a friend, like anyone who from that moment forward, if they were there as I was being my authentic self, then they would actually be there because they liked me authentically. You know, I knew maybe I would lose some friends because they, because if I changed, they wouldn't have liked the way that I changed. But anyone new who would come into my life would be, would be there because they liked me authentically. And that was an amazing realization. And it actually brought me a lot of relief. It, I felt relieved that I could be my authentic self. And it was the first time I ever really felt confident in my relationships and my friendships. It was an amazing thing. Yeah, but that shift required a lot of courage, Jordana, didn't it? Because you were stepping into the unknown. Maybe. I mean, I was in some ways I was facing how much of a coward I had been up until then. I felt very lost and confused and I didn't know if other than my immediate family, I wasn't sure if I could really count on anyone's love at that moment. Um, it was I guess it was a moment of rock bottom. Yeah, it sounds like the pain of staying the same was, you know, bigger than the fear of what's out there. You were just ready to take whatever else was out there and look it was so, it was so rewarding for you right because you you're you're getting to live a much fuller life with you know being surrounded by people who truly choose you for who you are it was everything yeah so this story Jordana that you that you just told about you know how you had this realization when you were 19 20 and you just shifted your life so that you could get different results right you could be surrounded with with people who actually value who you are um, that's exactly what I teach women. And I do that both one-on-one -on -one and, and in group programs. And um, I, I think that it's really important to, you know, when we are looking at how we want to grow, we start by looking at the area of your life that doesn't work. Like, that's how you know. Have you been betraying yourself or have you been living like true to who you are? You know that by looking at you know, how's work going? How's, how are your relationships going? Are you, are you satisfied with the way you're dating or within the relationship you're in or being single, for example, or are you happy in your marriage or are you not? And, you know, we do this by, by looking at some limiting beliefs that we 
have come up with when we were kids. Maybe when we came home and we sang that song and mom laughed, like that's, that's a belief. Your belief is I'm not going to be a good singer. Same thing. You're, you can have beliefs that are really horrible for you, really scary. I don't deserve love. You know, I'm not worthy of success. Um, those are some things that can be lingering. And that's like a limiting belief is like, it runs 95% of your life. And that's, it sits in your emotional part of your, of your brain. And, you know, you have the prefrontal cortex, which makes decisions, which, you know, the planning, um, you know, we, we live our life, you know, organized and disciplined by that, but our emotional mind runs everything else, how we breathe, how our body works, like all the things that you never even talk about it. They never even think about like everything that's an autopilot. And, you know, you, you come and you bring this, like your belief is like, it's like a, um, it's like a big box you're carrying, you know, on your head. It's this heavy thing. You're not aware of it because you've been carrying it all your life, but it's a heavy thing. It's like a headpiece that you're filtering. The, it's like virtual reality goggles <laughs> and you're filtering all the things you see through those beliefs that may not Literally. even be real. Yeah, right? it's, like a, it's, a, it's like an iron headpiece. You know, you walk into like a date and you sit at a table, right? And you're, you're wearing this thing and, and it's, everybody sees it but you, right? Like I'm not worthy of love. And if you vibrate and exude, I'm not worthy of love, you know, you're going to be there and he's going to ask, what do you want to, you know, what do you want to eat, right? And you'll be like, oh, I don't know, you decide, you know, or whatever. Like it'll come out in little ways and you will like, you, you will act and move and speak in a way that gives off, I don't really deserve love. You're the most important here. Well, what are you all about? What do you want to eat? Well, what are your interests? For example, and you know, when you vibrate that, the only people that are going to get closer to you are the ones that feel the same way. Yeah, you're not worthy. That's right. Let me go with you and let me show you how you're not worthy. So you're attracting the dates that are going to be going along with you being that way. Yeah, with your story that you like, you know, carrying as a headpiece. I love this headpiece analogy. I might start using it. So, so yeah, this is, you know, and, and then however much you're trying to change, however much you come home after that day, then you say, well, this isn't really, you know, this isn't really going well, or this isn't really what I want. So let me try something else. But until you look at those limiting beliefs and you see how really what, what, what needs to change is, is your own, your own way with yourself you know, you're always going to be attracting the same things. So this is why I think it's really important to, to, to find like wh whatever your way is, like find somebody to work with or find a book to read or, or, you know, start talking openly to your friends or somebody you feel safe about. And especially take out a journal and start listing what your beliefs are. Yeah. You know, what do you believe you don't deserve? What do you believe you're not good at? You know, we can't, get rid of a limiting belief until we discover that it's even there in the first place. Yes. What are my beliefs about money? What are my beliefs about women? What are my beliefs about love? What are my beliefs about how women see me? What are my beliefs about how people see me? What are my beliefs about how I am in love? What are my beliefs about how I am at work? You know, we walk around. So our entire reality is shaped by the beliefs that we have. And when so many of them aren't even true to begin with, and they're holding us back, it's really important for us to start to take stock of what's in there. Yeah, exactly. And journaling, like you say, is a really great tool because sometimes when you put these things down on paper, you'll get surprised yourself. You know, when you start writing and then you read what you've actually written, that's when you start getting present. That's when that blind spot becomes, you know, comes into your view and you actually have something to to work with like you start with okay this is this is the what so this is this this is where we are right now 
And what's so interesting as you start to read back those beliefs, what you're going to see a lot of is that's somebody else's voice. You know, where did I learn that? Oh, that comes from my cousin. That comes from my dad. That comes from my neighbor. That comes from my teacher. You know, you could really start to look at what each one says and, and ask yourself, where did I learn that? And do I even mm-hmm. have to believe that anymore? Um, mm-hmm. You really get to start to see other people's voices woven through and how that helped weave your own reality. Yeah. And you can, you can even take it a step further and say, yeah, this is, you know, oh, this teacher said that. How old was I at that time? You know, I was nine, for example. And then look at a nine-year-old, you know, would you trust the nine-year-old to, to like come up with a decision about like their life or anybody's life? No, you know, and that helps. It helps to understand that, oh, well, this came from like an immature brain. This, well, it's not me. It's a belief. I thought that then, you know, your beliefs become what you think about. And then what you think about becomes how you act. And then the more you repeat it, you know, the more of a habit it becomes. And we tend to think that our habits are us, but they're not. And for us to change who we are, we need to just like take it back and and start forming new habits. Look at the belief, change it, and then make it into a habit so that you actually now have the freedom to be different. What is the biggest obstacles women face when they try and go through this? Well, it's themselves, first of all. Um, well, first of all, they don't know what they want, you know, like one of, this is actually a really interesting tool that I can, can recommend to anybody. Sit down and make yourself comfortable and set the timer for 10 minutes or 15 minutes and grab a notebook and a pen and I don't know, get a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, like make yourself comfortable, sit in a, sit in a nice chair and uh, maybe light a candle and try getting in touch with the things that you want, you know, like write down a, this, like this, these are the things that I like or and are you talking like material things? You're talking what, on what want in what way? In every possible way from, you know, I want, um, I want somebody to, to talk to me in a nice way to, I want a house in the Caribbean to, I want a new car to, I want to change my job and move to, you know, I want like a piece of candy. It's literally like, what do you want? What kind of desires have you been having that you have labeled as not okay. It's not okay for me to have a piece of candy. I don't know, because, you know, I'm trying to lose weight or it's not okay for me to buy this new shirt because I'm trying to save money. Or how have you been justifying not getting what you want? And when you actually put it down, you know, is really the the piece of candy going to, going to get you, you know, off track or, or is it going to break your bank to buy that shirt or, you know, and then you slowly go through that list and you start thinking, well, what are some, you know, things that I can give myself? If, if on that list was maybe you love to dance, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe you love to dance, but you haven't been dancing. Maybe somebody said you don't have time for that or you thought you didn't have time for that. And next thing you know, it's been five years and you haven't been out dancing or you haven't like moved in a way. And then maybe you can just put on a song and start dancing, you know, slowly look at what it is that you want and see, well, which ones are easy to give myself right now? And by that, start rebuilding. A, <coughs> I'm sorry. By that, start rebuilding. You know your whole idea of what you deserve, what's possible. Like, where have you been cheating yourself out of out of joy, out of life joy? Because a simple dance can give you the kind of energy you need to then actually, you know, make that difficult call that you've been wanting to make making a sale or to sit down and to do your taxes or whatever it is that like 
that, that you haven't been having the energy for, if you shift a little bit, if you shift your approach a little bit into, well, how is this going to be pleasurable and how can I give myself something as a reward for doing this, the more you can actually do. Does this make sense? It absolutely does. And when we're younger, we're not taught to focus on what our pleasures are. We're taught that the things we want, not only can we not have them, but most of the time they'd be bad for us if we were to get them. Because, And it makes sense. I have two little nephews and a niece right now. And a lot of the time we spend telling them what they can't do and can't have. Um, hmm. Because, you know, the, especially with two little boys, <laughs> they're lunatics. <laughs> and so you have to do that. But that's also, I wonder what in the long term that does to a person we all were raised by other humans that were trying their best. And we probably internalized a lot of messages about what we can or can't be, what we can or can't have, what we can or can't feel, you know, what we should or shouldn't do. And a lot of those beliefs aren't necessarily what's true in reality. They might've just been what our caretakers were were saying in order to handle crazy (laughs) six-year-olds that were running around like lunatics because that's what we were back then. Well, yeah, I mean, it's tricky, right? Because the adult should teach the child how to act, right? Like you shouldn't be running around like a lunatic. But it's important that that, you know, as as it's being taught, it's important to let the child know that you're not unworthy for doing this. This is just how you should act and let me teach you. And it's okay, right? And to have compassion and patience for them making mistakes. But like you said, you know, our caretakers did the best they could and they came with their own programming and you know that goes way back when and and maybe you know if I had had a child 10-15 years ago I would have been passive aggressive to them because that was the way I was in the world even when I had the best intention and that would you know teach them something about themselves that probably wouldn't be my intention to teach them but it's like you know you install a program it comes with a virus the virus is you either behave this way or you're not worthy but that's not true, right? That's what we internalize as children. And that's why it's important, you know, to, to be open and aware of yourself so that, you know, if you do have children, it's, you teach them that as well. And now that we're trying to be our own child and our own parent, it's a great opportunity to, like you say, go back and look at all those beliefs that, that we currently hold, everyone that we could possibly uncover and ask, is this true? And does it mm-hmm. serve me? Is it helping? Mm -hmm. Is it even true? Mm -hmm. But there are certain beliefs that prevent good things from ever happening. Beliefs that limit us, keep us from taking the chances that will bring us to the new opportunities, that will introduce us to the new people, that will open the new doors, that will create the new opportunities in our life to to have the things that we want, to meet the people that we want. So, you know, if if we are believing the wrong things, then, then we keep ourselves from opening all the doors. Um, whereas if we can start to look at those beliefs and say, hey, that was never true, right? If we say to ourselves, it's impossible to find love because there are no good women out there to meet or because we're in a minority. Every time you go on a date with someone you like, if you think that there's not going to be any other woman other than her for you to meet because it's so, so hard, hard to meet women, then you're going to overvalue that one person. You're going to accept unacceptable behavior, even if she's not making you happy. You're going to be more worried about whether she chooses you than you are about whether this is really the right person. And so a scarcity mentality leads to just more and more and more scarcity. And it's a big mess. It sure is. Yeah, that's that you're wearing that headpiece, right? On that date. Please choose me. Please choose me. Yeah. 
And in the end, that's actually not going to make you happy. You might be looking for safety and security in that moment, but it's not actually going to bring you the long-term happiness. True, because the minute you actually feel chosen, you're going to start evaluating, well, you know, is it really giving me what I want? And it isn't. And, you know, again, if you don't get in touch with your true beliefs and you check back in and you and you find the courage to communicate these things, um, you're going to become either passive aggressive or straight up aggressive or, you know, you're going to start self-harming or whatever it is that that, you know, you're not in a fulfilling relationship that's going to come out, you know, sooner or later. Yeah, this is this is all really important advice, and it's important coming from someone like you who really has walked w- walked the big talk. I mean, you left your home, you've left your marriage, you left your career. You're not someone who's afraid of stepping away and starting over again. And so, I'm really glad that we got to hear your perspectives. Is there anything else we didn't talk about or didn't share? I can't think of anything. I think that. Um... This was a really great conversation for me. I, I really appreciate all the questions that you asked and, you know, all the ways that we interacted. Like, it's exactly like our conversations usually go. So, um, yeah, I think um, I, I think our message is, is, is uh, clear. And I think that it does boil down to, you know, choosing yourself and self-love and how can you be best for yourself so that you can actually choose what's best for yourself and, and walk away from that, which isn't. This was, yeah, that's really the point of it. Well, I love you and I'm so glad for our friendship and I'm so glad I got to share you with my community. Um, For anyone who wants to go and explore and learn more and find more of your work, uh, where can people go? Um, Sure. Um, I have a website. It's called talkwithanna.com. It's Anna with one N. Um, And my email address is Anna, talkwithanna.com. You can also find me on Instagram as Anna Weisberger and um, I'm also on Facebook. Cool. I'll I'll have links to everything. Excellent. Thank you. And I love you so much. I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining us. Thank you for having me. And now I would love to hear from you. We covered a whole lot of things in this episode, but I'm curious. What of the many things we talked about was the most impactful for you? Head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then there are tons of free resources for you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of those things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to finding your soulmate faster and easier, and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. 
Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women. Women Wanting Women.